You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Backer Net Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, it's supposed to be Positivity Sunday today, but we do have to start off with the news that um, Jair Alexander is officially being put on IR. It is short-term IR, or at least um, we don't know that it's long-term IR, right? He has the possibility of coming back in three weeks. Apparently, um, the way that I heard it phrased is that Jair turned down surgery. I don't know exactly what that means or what the implications of that are, but he wants to try to play through it. Now, maybe that's what the three weeks of IR is. Maybe that's some kind of a compromise of let's give it a few weeks, see how it's feeling. If you're feeling good and you can come back after three weeks, then let's, let's pull the trigger. Let's go to work. If uh, you're still messed up, then we're going to encourage you to, we're, we're going to shut you down for the year and we want you to go get surgery. I don't know. I'm making that up, but that's either, regardless of the specifics, that's what we're talking about. We're giving it three weeks and we'll see how it goes. Now, assuming the three weeks starts yesterday, and I'm not exactly sure the legalities on that, he's not going to be able to play in this game, the Bears game the Washington game, or the Arizona game because that's on a Thursday. Again, I'm not positive. Maybe it's just football weeks, which is Bengals, Bears, Washington. But three full weeks would mean he's not playing against Arizona and has a chance to come back against the Kansas City Chiefs. Either way, I'm more than happy if he's back week nine against the Chiefs. More than happy. I just want no more injuries. I mean, can we get can we get a couple guys back? I'm hoping we start turning this thing around and we start seeing people come back. Um, that would be lovely because, um, you know, as of right now, we've got what? Uh, Elton Jenkins is banged up. Hopefully he's just good to go from now on out. Kevin King is just coming back, which is great. I mean, it's great. But, um, you know, we lost Chauncey Rivers. Josh Myers is out. Um we lost MVS, Zadarius, Rivers, uh, Jair, Bakhtiari, Daphne, Redmond. You know, I mean, it's. I mentioned before that it's it's more the the quality of the players we're losing and not so much the quantity. Well, it's still the quality players we're losing for the most part. Not everybody necessarily is a Pro Bowl caliber, but we just lost Jair. But it's still turning into quantity at this point. We're headed in a pretty ugly direction, and you know. <laughs> I'm starting, it just hit me now, I'm starting to wonder if this is what happens. You know, we complained this team wasn't tough enough. They weren't playing with enough grit and with enough, you know, glass-eating mentality. Maybe this kind of comes with the territory. We're starting to see the team play with a little bit more heart, a little bit more passion, giving it 110%. Well, you run the thing a little bit too hard, you start start getting hurt. 
I don't know how you strike a balance. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll accept the W's. And so far, we haven't seen a whole lot of, you know, people being out for the season, you know, at least as far as we know. We'll have to see what happens with some of these guys. We're assuming most of them are coming back. But um, pretty unfortunate. In, in addition, we also can't catch a break because Ian Rappaport, just two hours ago, because he doesn't sleep, um, tweeted this. Bengals running back Joe Mixon, who didn't practice this week but did work out on Saturday, is expected to play today, sources said. He won't be 100%, but Mixon is slated to go versus the Packers. So um, Bengals are getting their guys back. But ultimately, here's the situation. It doesn't really matter. Because as long as the Packers come in with that same mentality that they've had, and there's really no reason that they shouldn't, especially considering the offense is going to drive this thing. Remember, the biggest, the biggest problem the Bengals are going to have, and Joe Burrow even said this, is you don't want to let the offense jump out to a lead and try to play catch-up with Aaron Rodgers. And that's what they're going to have to do. The defense might be a little shook up. you got a lot of young guys who are looking around going, dude, I don't, I don't know about all this. You know, where's Z? Where's, where's, where's Jair? What, what are we, what's, what the heck? But guess what? we got some new leaders on this defense, and as weird as it sounds, they're playing linebacker. And you got a guy in there that's competent, who's confident, who's playing real well, who's getting everybody where they need to be. And in front of you, you still got Preston, you still got Rashawn, you still got Kenny, and then you got Devondre, who's leading the charge here. Kevin King, no matter what you want to say about Kevin King, has never lacked in confidence. And whatever the incapabilities are of, of King and Stokes, you got two guys behind you that are pretty good at their job. It's still a solid unit. And so the Bengals, who have had a problem with getting off to slow starts, need to try to make sure they get off to a really fast start. And the problem is, do we want to drop back and try to air it out against this defense? And you would say, well, of course, because the corners aren't that good. Well, maybe. Again, we don't know that Stokes isn't very good. He's never really gotten thrashed. There were a bunch of targets for just a handful of yards, and that's the worst that it's been. He also had a pick last week. Kevin King has a, an issue with getting gashed once in a while, but you can't build a game plan around that one time you get a 50-yard touchdown against King. Okay, what about the rest of the game? The other issue with kind of drop back and air it out football is that, number one, you have to contend with pass rush and you have a garbage offensive line. So you have to be comfortable to stand in the pocket. And I don't think the Bengals necessarily want to do that. Number two, again, say what you want about King and Stokes, but trying to get behind them is not easy. Once in a while, you can do it. But it's because they made a mistake. It's not because they can't keep up. On top of that, Jair has a lot of speed and can cover a lot of ground, but not just King and Stokes, but Amos and Savage are also extremely fast. These guys can cover a lot of ground, and you've got a relatively inexperienced, very talented, but relatively inexperienced quarterback trying to make reads and decisions against probably, I would guess, the fastest group of DBs in the entire NFL. You better make absolutely sure that they're really open. And so the the inclination might be to slow the game down a little bit. Let's try to run the ball. Let's kind of throw quick, short passes. We'll drain off some clock. We'll tire out their defense. We'll keep Aaron Rodgers off the field. That's what we're going to try to do. The problem is now we're not taking advantage of the one weakness that you guys have at corner, At you know, the Packers have at corner. Now you're playing against a defensive line and linebackers. You're playing against Devondre Campbell. You're playing against Rashawn and Preston and Kenny. Kiki, who had a great game last week. And you're also heavily utilizing a hobbled running back, and neglecting the most talented part of your team, which is your quarterback and wide receivers. 
Not that you couldn't throw to them, but you know, throwing a five-yard dump off, trying to just keep the clock grinding. So it's it's a bit of a catch-22. If you want to play to your strengths, you're also playing some high-risk football. You're giving the pass rushers an opportunity to take this game away from you, and that's the one thing the Packers' defense has done. They've been consistently getting kind of beat up on, but you know, they they're sort of remind me of the the Dom Capers Ben Don't Break defense. There's a whole lot of, oh, come on, guys. Oh, come on, guys. Oh, guys, would you just, oh, what are you doing? Guy, what, hey, 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 football, right? Sort of the no, 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 yes of Brett Favre days, but for defense. Oh, come on. Would you just, another first down. What, what do you do? Why are you playing so far off? What do you do? Can you get a pass rush ever in your life? You give these guys too many opportunities, eventually somebody's going to make a play. Again, that's what happens when you have such um, high ceiling players. Even if on a play-to-play basis they might be struggling, these guys have some serious talent, and eventually they're going to make a play. So again, on one hand, the sooner you score, the better. And I, and I feel this way about the Packers, too, sometimes. I love it when we have these long, drawn-out drives, but there's nothing worse than when it feels like you've had like seven first downs, and it's like, all right, we got another one, and you look, and you're at like the 40, your own 45-yard line. It's like, are you kidding me? Dude, you guys got to kind of up, get it going here a little bit, because if we have to punt... After all that, that's horrible. Sometimes you do. Now, if you if you score on a 15-play drive, it's the greatest feeling in the world because you rip through basically a whole quarter. Their defense is gassed. Your defense is taking a nap. It's great. But yeah, I mean, if you get a bunch of first downs and have to punt, it's, it's not fun. But again, the benefit of the Packers over the Bengals is that the Packers have the ability to do whatever they want. You know, if one thing's not working, we can switch to the other and it's still a strength. If we want to take chunks and, and we just can't get behind you, you know, we're, we're struggling to get, you know, we don't have MVS, we're not really hitting the big plays, we can switch it up. We can throw the, the short passes to our tight ends. We've got wide receivers that can block and tight ends that, that are just fantastic blockers on the outside. We've got running backs that can catch. We can, we've got running backs that can run. We can run with speed and agility. We can run with power. We've got an offensive line that can pass block, that can run block. That's the benefit of being the Packers is they're much more agile in terms of what they can do. The Bengals have a lot of talent, but in one direction. And if you knock them off that direction and try to say, okay, now we're not going to let you play that way. You got to play the other way. I'm not saying they're incapable, but now you're forcing them to play into a weakness. And the point is the Packers don't really have a weakness. They have weak days. They have days where really good players don't play really good, but in general, they can do everything. Which is, by the way, exactly why I want the Packers to be a much more agile football team and to find a way because, you know, the whole week is predicated on let's build one plan. And if that plan doesn't work, well, we don't have enough time to build a whole new plan. We don't have a whole new week. There needs to be a way to build in this is plan A, this is plan B, this is plan C. Because they can switch on a dime and still be a really quality football player uh, team. And again, defensively, as much credit as this team gets for, you know, got to watch out, they got another really good pass rush group. Um, you know, I don't know if I went over grades very much. I talked about Trey. Trey Hendrickson has a 71 overall grade. Whoop-de-doo. Sam Hubbard is a 64. You know, again, Trey has a bunch of pressures. He's going to get some pressures in this game. I have very little doubt about it. But again, this is probably the best offensive line that any of them have faced. The fact that Bosa basically got skunked, I'm not saying don't be scared of Trey, but Compared to what we've been up against the last two weeks, this is this is easily, I mean, the, the last three of the last four, for sure. And again, Flowers is kind of how I feel about Trey Hendrickson. The two Trey's are very similar. They're very big. 
Very run defendy. Although Hendrickson has been just abysmal against the run, which is the other thing. The best run defending player off the edge is Sam Hubbard with a 68 overall grade. Unfortunately for him, he has a 52 pass rush grade. So again, whatever it is we decide to do. And, and, and that becomes a problem as well, because when all you have is Trey, remember when we went up against the Steelers, they, they didn't just have the number one pass rusher in TJ Watt. They had the number one defensive tackle in football also. So it's kind of a, what do you do to stop both of these guys? They don't have a both of these guys. I mean, DJ Reader is not terrible. This is, the, the, the Bengals defensive line is like the Steelers, but when your mom says, we have the Steelers at home. You know what I mean? We don't need that. We have the Steelers at home. And seeing those memes, that's what this is. And that's, we're just talking defensive line because it's, it's kind of an embarrassment to even consider calling Trey Hendrickson T.J. Watt, and to call uh, D.J. Reader Cam Hayward. I mean, just an absolute embarrassment. By the way, T.J. Watt is now down to 13th after having played the Packers. Cam Hayward is still first, but that's that's crazy. I didn't even I, I didn't even realize this. So against he didn't play Week Three against Buffalo. He had an 83 overall grade. Against the Raiders, he had a 95 overall grade. He was the number one pass rusher in football. Against the Packers, he got a 42.9 overall grade, 41 run defense, 55 pass rush, getting only two pressures and a sack, and now he is, what did I say, 13th, 14th overall, 13th in the NFL. He dropped out of the top 10 after playing the Packers. He's only had a handful of games in his entire career that are that bad. 2018, he had a 37 overall grade against Tampa. Um, 2017... He had uh, 47 against Jacksonville, 46 against Indy, 41 against Tennessee. So since 2019, that was his his worst game. So, and maybe Yash does stay <laughs> out there. I don't know. That's crazy. That's crazy. And actually, he's listed as a left outside linebacker. Let me look at his snaps. That might have been just a Billy Turner beating. Um so he was on the right side so far this year. Let me look. Can I do by week? Well, whatever. So he's he's pretty exclusively left side, left end, left outside linebacker. Um, he's only been on the right side 10 times out of 134 snaps this year. So he exclusively got embarrassed by Billy Turner and whoever else was on the right side whenever he's stunting to the inside or whatever. Credit where it's due. That's crazy. It's the defensive left side, by the way, for the, some of you screaming. He's a he's a right tackle, not a left tackle. I know. the right. Our right is their left. You know what I mean? You get it. And against San Francisco, we didn't just have Bosa, but there was Eric Armstead on the other side. Remember that? So they had, like, you know, what, two pass rushers that are better? Eric Armstead right now is ranked 7th. Nick Bosa is ranked 8th. Trey Hendrickson is ranked 39th. So, you know... I don't, I don't know, man. Again, I'm I'm not saying. I'm just saying it's a little bit silly. And as long as the Packers don't come in here, you know, that again, that offensive line mentality of, hey, we, we handled the best. We're going to rip these guys. No, no, no. Come in with that same energy. Whatever type of fear, panic you had when you went up against the best of the best, keep that because you're going to need that. And then just embarrass this guy. And everybody that said Trey Hendrickson and this defensive line is any way comparable to the defensive lines we've gone up against. Even, again, the New Orleans Saints. Defensive tackles? Trash. Granted, right? All right. Given. Gotcha. Whatever. 
How about Cam Jordan? Anybody remember Cam Jordan? <laughs> is, is that ring a bell? How about Marcus Davenport? Marcus has been out since week one, but that's what we had to go up against. Cam Jordan and Marcus Davenport. And they got a bunch of other rotational guys off the edge that we had to go up against as well. And again, as panicked as we are, well, they've got good wide receivers and a good quarterback. And what about our corners? Dude, what? What? <laughs> it's Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams up against Eli Apple. How do you think they feel? They're hoping Trey Waynes comes back healthy so that they have Trey Waynes in this game. They're hoping to get Trey Waynes back so they don't have to get beat up with Chidobi Awuzie. But look, the last three weeks, the Packers have, have averaged 30.6 points per game. I'm, I'm scrapping week one. That one just doesn't even count in my mind. 30.6 going up against the Steelers defense, which is one of the best in football, going up against the 49ers defense, which is solid, and of course the Detroit Lions, which, I mean, you know, they suck, but you get it. And remember, the Bengals, despite being talked about as how good their defense is and how they, they've been real stingy, they've actually given up more on average than teams have been getting against other teams that they've played. So on average, the Bengals are, if you're averaging 30 points a game, let's just pull that out of the air, you would be expected to get 32, 33 points. The Bengals' offense, despite all the, the talk and the hype about elite quarterback, wide receiver, running back, has scored 27, 17, 24, and 24. They're averaging 23 points a game. If you look at the Lions, they scored 17 against Baltimore. So 17 against us, 17 against Baltimore, 14 against the Bears. 49ers, they scored 33. But if we call that an anomaly, the Packers are pretty average against the Lions, at least. San Francisco, 41 against the Lions, then 17 and 21 against the other two teams, 28 against the Packers. So that's a little more than they've been averaging. It's not a lot of high-scoring teams. Is anybody scoring a lot of points? Then you've got the Steelers, who scored 23, 17, 10, and 17 against the Packers. So again, on average, teams are scoring a little bit more or about the same as average. And in fact, if you look at these, uh, the, the teams the Bengals have played, they scored again, 27, 17, 24, 24. 24 feels about right, right? There's that one game, usually week one, where they score more. There's the one game that's less, that would be the Bears game. And then we allow the same amount of points. Bottom line, even with Jair out, and maybe I could give him a little bit of a bonus with Jair out. I'm not going to because it's Positivity Sunday. Final score prediction, 24-31 Packers. But anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a break. We'll come back and I want to rip through some of these other games that are coming up today, give you my quick thoughts, and we'll call it a day. Talk to you in a minute. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, 
kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So first off, I had somebody reach out. I don't remember exactly who, Mike, maybe, um, said, I don't take home field advantage into account enough. So I looked into it. Since, uh, let's see, 2015, I think, there have been 700, looking at home teams, 715 wins, 560 losses, and five ties. That is a 56% win rate. So 56% of the time, the home team wins. I can't really rationalize how big of an impact that makes. In other words, as I go through my picks, I'm looking at it and I'm going, yeah, I mean, it's a lot. Certainly sounds bigger when you say 715 to 560. But um, I, I, again, as I go through this, I'm looking at it and I'm going, I don't, I don't know, 56% chance just on a, it's pretty close. It's too close to a coin flip, I guess, is all I'm saying. It's way too close to a coin flip for me to make a determination based on home field advantage. But I guess if it is a, a, a coin flip for me, then then there you go. That's what I'll end up doing. I think another thing to take into account would be the team-by-team team home field advantage. Some teams are probably much better at home than others. And even that is kind of a, a shifting and moving bar. Changes over time. So anyways, to start off, we have the New York Jets and the Atlanta Falcons. This might be a really good example of that. This is a week where I'm looking at it going, I don't really know. The Falcons are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Um... Calvin Ridley's out, so watch out for my tight end. I think he's finally going to get some play, hopefully better, for crying out loud. I guess it's a personal matter. I don't know. By the way, it should be noted, um, I forgot this little detail for those of you that are wondering. I did not include 2020 or 2021 when I did my home field advantage thing. It was 2015 through 2019. So if you're saying that that's the reason, that's that was what I did. So it was five years from 2015, 16, 17, 18, and 19. I don't know. I mean, the only reason I would lean toward the Jets is I think there's some expectation that this team can and will get better, right? You've got a young, inexperienced quarterback. You've got a young, young, inexperienced coaching staff. They just got a, a their first win. Yes, it's an overtime win, but it was a pretty big win against a competent team. And this is coming after getting basically annihilated the two weeks prior, um, zero to 26 and six to 25. They hadn't gotten to seven points since September 12th. I feel like that's a pretty big confidence boost. And yeah, you got to go on the road, but it just, there's something about it that feels like this should be a win. Atlanta is also one and three. Their one win came against the Giants. So again, it and there's, there's nothing in there that's like, well, maybe they're getting better. No, they're not. We know they're not. They're terrible. They've also got a bye week after the Jets. And it's kind of one of those things where you, you wonder if they're, you know, I don't know. I mean, on one hand, you could say they're going to 
give it all they got because they got a bye week. But for a team that just doesn't have a lot of care in the world, maybe they're kind of, you know, it's it's sort of like a Friday for most of us at work. You know what I mean? That's usually not the day you put in the most effort. The week before your bye, I don't know, man. I'm guessing most people are taking the Falcons. I'm not looking at, you know, who most people are taking right now. I'm just kind of looking at it by myself because I don't like being swayed. But that's my assumption is most people are taking the Falcons. I just, I think that there's, even if you say the Falcons are the better team slightly, there's still a team that is prone to just massively playing like garbage. And I think the Jets might just have a little bit, I mean, I know that they're stronger mentally. They have more going on. I mean, the, the Falcons have nothing to look to to say, well, now now we're in it. Now, no, they know they suck. And they they this is going to be a garbage year. Matt Ryan knows he's never going to win with the Falcons because he's going to lose with the Falcons and then be let go. So I'm I'm going to lean Jets. I think the Jets are going to take in the away team. So it'll be an easy opportunity to just take the home team and, and run with it and say, you know what, it's close to 50-50, just take the home team. But I, I just, I, I don't know. I'm not putting any money on it, but... Well, I'll consider putting some on it, but uh, I'm, I'm taking the Jets. Uh, Miami Dolphins in Tampa Bay. I mean, I'd love an upset as much as the next guy, and it is a 10-point line, which is worth considering because I think Tampa's Tampa should be a little bit worried at this point. Um, if you look at what Tampa's done so far this year, I mean, I know they're 3-1 and one, and everyone, oh, they're just this dominant force. All right, well, they almost lost to the Cowboys week one, right? They annihilated the Falcons, but it's the Falcons. They uh, lost to the Rams and kind of by a lot. That was 34 to 24. And then they play the Patriots, who are a bad football team, and won by two points. Two points. So I don't expect the Dolphins to win, but do I think Tampa's going to win by 10? Mm, If I had to pick, I mean, I'm taking Tampa to win for sure, but if I had to pick on this spread... I would probably take Miami because I'm starting to wonder about Tampa. They they're not they haven't done anything this year that's convincing. They have not had one game where you go, dude, that is a really good football team. The only game you can say that about is Atlanta. And again, it's it's Atlanta. I don't know if you can say they've even beaten a good team unless you really like Dallas. And again, even that was the first game of the year, Thursday night, and by three points. So I'm not convinced yet. They need to beat Miami and beat them pretty handily. Um, again, I don't think I'm going to touch it, but I'd be tempted to take the Dolphins plus 10. Um, Eagles at Carolina, Carolina Panthers minus three. This one I don't like because both of these teams just freak me out. I don't know what either of these teams are. I feel like they're both trash, but they both kind of show up out of nowhere. And like, how did, what, what is this? Because last year you guys would have just flat out lost and you kind of just killed it there. Panthers are somehow three and one, um, and, and strangely, it's on the back of their defense. I don't know what they did to revamp their defense or what the heck is going on, but they had a, a unbelievably pathetic defense last year, and so far they have the third-ranked defense. Um, they allowed 14 points to the Jets. Granted, it's the Jets. Seven points to the Saints. Granted, it's the Saints. Yes, I know what they did to us, but granted, it's the Saints. Nine points to the Texans, but it's the Texans. And then 36 points to the Cowboys. So that might be something to consider. They played the Jets, the Saints, and the Texans. And again, the Eagles, I mean, it, it, I know a lot of people say it's straightforward because you got a 1-3 against a 3-1 team, but again, they beat the brakes off of Atlanta, which I would never expect. I know it's Atlanta, but I don't think Atlanta, 
They're like the same team, in my opinion. I wouldn't expect a blowout. Then they played the 49ers, and it was kind of close. Then they played the Chiefs, and it, I guess it wasn't close. It was 12 points, but they scored 30 points on the Chiefs. I just I, I look at the Eagles and say, you can't score 30 points. You don't have the personnel, and they did. They scored 30. So the, basically, the offense had two really good games. They scored 30 against the Chiefs, 32 against the Falcons. The defense had two really good games. They allowed six to the Falcons and 17 to the 49ers. They just can't seem to sync up when they each have good games, right? The... Uh, the one time they did it, it was 32-6. to six. Otherwise, the one defensive game, the offense fell apart and scored 11. The other really good offensive performance, the defense gave up 42. So they're not exactly synced up on that. But, but the, the fact that they have that ability, 50% of the time the offense is playing with their hair on fire, 50% of the time the defense is playing with its hair on fire. Carolina um, doesn't really have a good win all year except maybe the Saints. It's just a little too close. I think it's a little closer than... than they are probably going to get credit for the Jets, or excuse me, the uh, the Eagles, because that's, again, that's how I picture the Eagles as the Jets. Also, Christian McCaffrey is doubtful in this game. That's that's also quite big. They did add Stephon Gilmore, though, so there's that. I don't know, man. I mean, the fact that the Panthers are only minus three kind of tells you that Vegas is seeing what I'm seeing, because generally you got a three and one team and a one and three team. It's, it's, a, it's a big game, but... Ah... And then the Panthers minus their one true elite weapon. I just, I don't, I don't know. It is Panthers at home. Maybe I should just shut up and take the home team. I think I will. Uh, but, but I'm not touching the spread. That's a, that's, that's a 50-50 that I'm taking the home team with. Saints in Washington, another one that Vegas just thinks is pretty much a wash. The uh, Saints minus two and a half. Washington is at home. Um, Antonio Gibson and Curtis Samuel are expected to play today for Washington. Saints did pick up Cody Parkey to be their kicker. Not a ton else going on as far as uh, breaking news for the for the game upcoming. And so we got two two and two teams. Um, and again, I, I think the Packers game was a bit of an anomaly. They've had seven to twenty six against the Panthers. They beat the Patriots twenty eight thirteen. And then the Giants they lost twenty one twenty seven in overtime. It's the Saints I'm talking about, obviously. That's a lot of volatility, man. Just destroy the Packers, get annihilated by the Panthers, beat the Patriots pretty handily, lose to the Giants in overtime. What in the heck is this football team? Washington loses by a little bit against the Chargers. That's understandable. Um, Beats the Giants, but barely. That doesn't give you a lot of comfort, but I guess common opponent stuff can happen like that. Lose to the Bills by a lot, but it's the Bills, so you kind of cut them a little slack, I guess beat the Falcons barely. So the the biggest lack of comfort that I have is the fact that when they win, it's barely. And when they lose, in the case of the Bills, it was pretty handily. So the Saints at two and a half kind of makes sense, but it's just a matter... The only thing that matters is what Saints team is going to show up. Is it the team that won 38-3 and 28-13 or the team that lost uh, to the Giants and to the Panthers 26-7? That's kind of the biggest question mark here. And there really isn't a home away thing. They were um, at home against the Packers and at home when they lost to the Giants. They were away when they um, got annihilated by the Panthers, but they were away when they kind of beat up on the Patriots. The only correlation I'm seeing here is win-loss, win-loss, next would be a win, right? So I, (laughs) stupid way to base things on, but uh, I'll go with that. And I will pick the Saints, but I'm just not touching it. 
By the way, we haven't really talked about any games that have serious implications for the Packers. I mean, we want the Saints to lose probably just because that was the one team we got a real bad beating on. And on the off chance we see them in the NFC Championship game, that's the worst case scenario. Obviously, Miami upsetting the the Buccaneers would be massive, but I'm not necessarily planning on that happening. Um, Tennessee Titans, Jacksonville Jaguars, Tennessee minus four and a half, but you know, they just got beat by the Jets. So what the heck? Okay. This is why, remember yesterday I said with the Dave score, how Football Outsiders is 70% looking at their preseason rankings and only 30% looking at what we've seen so far this season. This is why it's so hard to get a beat on like any team. I have not, I don't think I've looked at one team and said, here's what I think they are. From the Eagles to the Bucks to, it's just, there's nothing that I'm seeing from anybody. The Packers are one of the more consistent teams lately when you look at the last three weeks. 35-17, 30-28, 27-17, that's fairly consistent. Everybody else is like, dude, I have no idea. And and the one beating was week one, so you can kind of at least, at least put a little asterisk next to it. No, that doesn't mean something crazy isn't about to happen, and then you kind of look at it and go, I don't know what to believe anymore. But it's it's tough to try to get a beat on what these teams even are. And then you factor in injuries and everything else. It's, uh, it's a tough way to make a living. Here, here's the thing with Tennessee and Jacksonville, though. Regardless of Tennessee and, and their mentality, um, they lost to Arizona. That's understandable. They beat Seattle. That's a good win. They beat the Colts. That's a good win. I'm going to chalk the Jets' loss up to very similarly to what the Packers do. They came in way too confident right? They came in way too cocky. And I think they caught the Jets on a bad day. Remember, that's that, I think the Jets are a team that maybe is lacking in talent. They don't really know what they're doing quite yet, but they're figuring it out. And they're just a tough team mentally. I, I That's what I believe based on their coaching staff, based on the fact that they're young and they have reason. I mean, they're, they're, they're optimistic. But I do think Tennessee is talented. And the Jaguars are a joke. They're just an absolute joke. Uh, they lost 21-37 to against the Texans, which is crazy. 23-13 to the Broncos is a 10-point loss. Arizona beat them 31-19. The closest game was the Bengals 24-21. to But with this whole new scandal and everything up, else coming up, again, just getting back to mentality, that seeps into the team. The coach's head is not in it. He's been dealing with giving out apologies. Um, you know, I mean, Tim Tebow's on TV you know, saying he feels sorry for their family and what they're going through. And, you know, he's got a, it's not just the team he has to apologize to. He has a wife he has to apologize to and kids that saw all this. And he's trying to focus on football. Maybe he's just a stone cold killer and doesn't care, which is entirely possible. But it doesn't matter if he cares anyways, because he sucks at his job. And, and again, you got a team that realizes I'm on a team that's a joke right now. Like this whole team is just a laughing stock. My coach is a goof. He shouldn't even be a coach. This team is terrible. The, the fact that he hasn't been fired yet is staggering to me. If, if I'm the owner of this team and I just drafted one of the best quarterback prospects um, to come out of college in a very, very long time, we're talking like Andrew Luck, and we're 0-4 and my quarterback is getting embarrassed, I'm sorry. That's my only priority. And I don't know what contractual obligation we have to this head coach, but I don't care. And there was some talk, I guess, some closed-door meetings about uh, morality clauses and things like that. That was your opportunity to get out of this. That was your opportunity to say, listen, you have not lived up to your end. We're going to get out of this contract. You have a great time over in college. We're moving in a different direction. And find anybody, anybody 
with a find a capable quarterback coach and make him your head coach and say your only job is to make this quarterback successful that's it I don't care if we don't do anything as long as the one good player on this team is the quarterback the one guy that's executing as a high at a high level is the quarterback I'm fine that or an offensive line coach and just say just keep this guy alive until we can find a new coach next year probably don't use that sentence to him but you know whatever so uh what is the line on ooh only minus four and a half. I'm tempted to take Tennessee on this one. Jacksonville is so bad. Let me check the injury stuff. A.J. Brown is expected to play. <laughs> Urban Meyer addresses his team today apologizing and showing remorse. So that's what. So while, while the Titans are getting rah-rah speeches and A.J. is back and they're talking about they're going to smash somebody and get back to what they're doing, um, the Jaguars have to have meetings to watch their head coach, their leader, grovel in front of them. Wow, that's inspiring. That gets you fired up, doesn't it? Watch him with tears in his eyes, apologize for having fun at a party with a bunch of football players that probably did the same thing just the night before. Not minimizing it, but we're putting on a big show that's just damaging the team more. You know what I mean? This is not going to help us win. He should go apologize to his family, apologize to his boss, and then go in front of his team and talk about smashing. You know, my problems are my problems. Let's focus on winning football games. That's how that should be. But no, we, we got to put on a big show. I demand that, you know, I'm sure Khan and everybody's, like, you need to go apologize to your team. And he's going to put on a big show. And the team's going to watch this and be like, this sucks. I want to get off this team. This is a joke. I don't care what you're doing. I want to, you know, I want you to help me be a good football player, make a lot of money, not grovel because you went out with people at a bar. I, you know, just, I don't, you're an idiot. Get out of my face. It is a pretty extensive injury report. I mean, the whole team for the Tennessee Titans is hurt. Um, Julio is still out. Uh, anybody else that I care about here? Do, 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 do. Nope. Jaguars, Roy Robertson Harris, the old Bears defensive tackle is out. Otherwise, that's about it. I think I'm still taking the Titans at four and a half. I think this is a get right game for the Tennessee. I think they got shocked. I think they got embarrassed. They're getting their wide receiver back. Derrick Henry's going to run for 700 yards. I'm taking Jacksonville. I'm, t- I'm taking the spread on that one, too. And I know everybody probably says don't do this, but I buy points because I don't really care. I'm not trying to win big. I'm just trying to get my, my bankroll back. I'm going to do it just on the off chance something happens, but I'll probably put more down than I should also. No, maybe I'll just, I don't know. I don't know. I, I wanna, I'd like to get it down to three points if I could, but I should just stand on my convictions that Tennessee annihilates them. I think I will. I'm just, I'm not going to buy the points. All right, next up, Detroit Lions, Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Minnesota minus 10? Uh, I don't know about all that, Chief. <laughs> I, I, listen, uh, I get it, but dang, I don't know about that. If you just said maybe minus 4, minus 5, be like, oh, all right. I mean, the Lions are 0-4, but the Vikings are 1-3. Let's not get a little, let's not get carried away here. Um... So they, the Vikings lost to the Bengals, 24-27. They lost to the Cardinals, 33-34. So they have had a somewhat tougher schedule. Bengals, Cardinals, Seahawks, Browns. Um, but they did lose to the Bengals. And the Seahawks, they beat pretty handily. So this is clearly the easiest team that they're going to play. But still, I mean, yeesh. And Detroit, the last couple weeks, has kept it close. Um, I mean, they kept it close against San Francisco. The only time they got beat badly was the Packers. 33-41, I guess it's not that close, and it was maybe kind of a lot of garbage time. I don't know. But Baltimore, 17-19. Um, and then the Bears was 14-24. I don't know, man. 10 points is... I mean, they didn't they didn't 
lose to the Bears by more than 10. They didn't lose to Baltimore by more than 10. They didn't lose to San Francisco by more than 10. Why, why would we assume this? Um, and let's see, this game is in Minnesota. So, all right, you get a, get a little bit of a bump for that. Um, there's nobody if, well, I sh- I'll check the Ian Rappaport updates, but there's a bunch of questionables for the Lions. Trey, Hawkinson, Sewell, Swift, and Jamal. That's pretty wild. Those are all questionable. Uh, Michael Pierce is out for the Vikings. That's kind of big. Uh, Mirror Smith-Marset, nobody cares. Dalvin Cook is questionable. That's the big one we need an update on. I thought I saw he was out. Lions running back DeAndre Swift, running back Jamal Williams, tight end TJ Hawkinson, and offensive tackle Penny Sewell should all be active versus the Vikings, it says. Um, the Vikings placed Harrison Hand on IR. Uh, Vikings Cam Dantzler was placed on reserve COVID list. This was all like a week ago. I don't see anything on uh, Dalvin Cook. Yeah, nothing yet on that. Um, guessing he's coming? I don't really know. Oh, Civil War is coming is trending on Twitter. That's always comforting. Just trying to talk football, man. Can I just talk football without you idiots trying to ruin everything? Civil War. Who would want it? Your life must suck if you want a Civil War. Again, we are, we have it so good. Just shut up and enjoy your life and stop worrying about everybody else, please. Stop telling everybody what to do. Just mind your own business. Mind your own business. That's it. Shut your mouth and mind your own business. Anyways, um, I would never take Minnesota minus 10, probably in any game, any game, especially a division rival like Minnesota and Detroit. Um, Am I going to take Detroit? No, because that feels stupid. Last thing I want to do is lose money on the fact that the Lions get absolutely pummeled. Um, I may revisit this if Dalvin is out, but just I think that's insane. And if I had to pick one, I would pick Detroit. 10 points is is way too much. But yeah, I, I think the Vikings probably win the game. Um, Steelers at home against the Denver Broncos. The Broncos are minus one. I don't, I just, I don't understand. I mean, I guess I do understand the Steelers being a complete joke. Um, Denver has beaten the Giants, Jaguars, and Jets, which gave them their three wins, which is absolutely laughable. First time they actually played a competent team was the Baltimore Ravens. They managed to score seven points and, uh, allowed 23. And the Steelers have a much better defense, I would say, than the Ravens do. So, I mean, the most they've scored all year, this is a terrible offense. The most they've scored all year is 27 points. That was against the Giants. They only scored 26 against the Jets, 23 against the Jaguars. And again, Baltimore is the first competent team they faced and um, only scored seven. The defense, though, is what's going to possibly help this team do something. And the problem is for the Steelers, you've got a Denver Broncos defense that only allowed 23 points against the Ravens. Um, 13 against the Giants and Jaguars. I know it's the Giants and Jaguars, but 13 points is good no matter who you're playing. And the Jets scored zero. That's a pretty stingy defense. And I don't know how in the world the Steelers are going to be able to do anything. I think if they get to 10, it's it's a miracle. So uh, I guess I get it. I mean, it's only it's basically a, a push. They've got it at minus one. So it's kind of just who do you think is going to win? I don't even know. I don't know how either scheme, team scores a point. First one to three wins, I guess. I don't. I, I don't. I don't care. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, Bengals at home against the Packers. Packers minus two and a half. Should I do it? Should I put my money in my mouth? Eh, I'm not. I'm not going to. It's Positivity Sunday, but now we're in Reality Sunday, and we'll just see how it plays out. Texans and Patriots. Texans are at home. Um, Patriots are minus eight. 
I just, I couldn't care any less about this game. I really couldn't. I mean, the Patriots are probably going to win because the Texans are a joke. But the Patriots are weird, and I certainly wouldn't take a minus eight. They did play Tampa pretty close, but that's probably has to do with familiarity of Tom Brady. I don't care. Do whatever you want. Patriots win. Don't know by how much. Bears Raiders. Raiders are minus five and a half. The Bears actually have got some injury issues going on. I think I saw Khalil is playing. Um, and the Raiders are in their own little scandal with an, an email from 10 years ago. So they got to go through that whole rigmarole. As far as injuries that actually matter, do to do. Oh yeah, the big one. David Montgomery is on IR. So he is not playing. Um, Danny Trevathan is going to be playing. And Akeem Hicks is also going to be out. So they're losing Akeem Hicks. Granted, he hasn't been playing at as high of a level, but he's clearly better than, than the rest of the guys that they have along the defensive line. That's going to weaken their defensive line quite a bit. No David Montgomery is, I mean, you think about what that means for Justin, Justin Fields. We're on a first-name basis since I talk about him every day. We're basically best friends. I, that's who I should try to get on the show also is Justin Fields. It's not really as random, but it's a little random, and it would be kind of funny. I mean, all of these people are going to say no anyways. I just got to start. I'm going to, I might do that today. I'm just going to send off emails to everybody. If you have ideas, I had one person send me a great list of ideas of people to reach out to. Send me them. If you have any contacts with people that are prominent and super random and have nothing to do with this podcast, I'd love to know about it. Um, could reach out to the owner of Culver's. I'm sure he's a Packer fan. It'd be a good talk. I could invite him to my house and he could bring over Culver's for free. I'm not paying him for it. No chance. Maybe I could promote that uh, curd burger, which I thought was fake, but somebody said it's absolutely real. We could just sit down, talk Packers, eat some curd burgers. Sounds like a day to me. I wonder what rich, super rich neighborhood he lives in. He probably doesn't even live in, in Wisconsin anymore, does he? He was born in Nina. He's probably still around here. The headquarters are in Prairie de Sac, which is pretty close to, it's like right next to Madison, so it's not far from here. Anyways, what are we talking about? What's the next? Uh... It's a good way to hit refresh when you're just getting burned out on talking about games that you don't care about. But uh, Bears Raiders, how did I get derailed on Bears Raiders? I actually was really into that thought. Oh yeah, Justin Fields on the show, gotcha. But he's going to be starting again, and we're still kind of in the, we need to try to get him acclimated and, and you know, prove that he can do it and just build him up some confidence because we know he's talented. We know he can do all these things. We just want to make sure we don't crush his confidence. You take away their running back, that kind of sucks. And as somebody pointed out on the Twitters, I believe, you know, running back is fairly replaceable, but um, it's a pretty big drop-off after Montgomery. And uh, strangely, the Raiders' defense has been competent. I remember, I think it was after week one, Max Crosby was the highest graded edge rusher, 93 overall grade at 13 pressures. And I said, that's an absolute joke. This guy is never going to be able to maintain this. In 2019, he had a 65 overall grade, um, 45 pressures on 481 attempts. The next year, he had a 57 overall grade, 48 pressures on 534 attempts. He already has 30 pressures. And that's on 155 attempts. And it wasn't just week one. He had a 93 overall grade, then a 79, 75, and last week he had an 85 overall grade. He only has two sacks, but he has 30 pressures on 155 attempts. He's averaging almost eight pressures a game. Not to mention Yannick Ngakwe is actually playing well somehow. He has 18 pressures on 131 attempts. Solomon Thomas is another guy that they grabbed, 10 pressures on 82 attempts. They have 93 pressures and 10 sacks as a team so far. Carl Nassib is there, seven pressures on 50 attempts. I don't know what they're doing. 
Uh, Darius Phylon, nine pressures on 73 attempts. These are all, by the way, I'm hoping you're doing some quick math in your head, above the 10% mark. 7 of 50, 9 of 73, 10 of 82, 18 of 131, and 30 of 155 are all above 10%. I just listed five guys, three edge rushers and two defensive tackles. Going up against this Chicago, I mean, this is one of the best, let me, let me look at by team here. Who's the best pass rushing group? The Raiders have the number one pass rushing team in football right now against this Bears offensive line. I mean, oh, look at what the Browns did. Yeah, Browns are ranked fourth. <laughs> this is number one. And again, it, it's, it's, I know it feels fluky, but um, that's, that's, not, that's not good. It's not good for the Bears. And this elite game planner who's going to help Justin Fields figure this thing. I know they got their Bill Laser Beam has taken over, but uh, yikes. Uh, bottom line, yeah, I'm probably taking the Bears and or <laughs> the Bears to lose in this game. Bears so far have beaten the Lions and the Bengals, lost to the Rams and Browns. So, you know, I mean, they, they beat two not great teams and lost to two pretty good teams. Kind of just a matter of what the Raiders are, I guess. But uh, also, you know, Raiders are 3-1, and one, man. Not necessarily super dominant, but they did beat the Ravens, which is a pretty big win. Beat the Steelers 26-17, beat Miami 31-28 in overtime. That one makes you nervous, and then they lost to the Chargers. It's a, it's a scary situation. I, I I don't trust the Raiders, but I know the Bears are struggling. And again, number one pass rush team right now against one of the worst pass-blocking offensive lines in football. A shaky quarterback, no running back. Yeah, I'm taking the Raiders. I'm not touching the points because the whole thing makes me nervous, but I'm taking the Raiders to win. By the way, by the way we are in the 3 o'clock game, so we'll have that right after the, um, in fact, we might, so here's the thing, I'm not going to do a pregame stream because I don't have time. Um, today we have church and then we come home and uh, my man Blaine with his kids are going to be here, so we'll probably just go and hang out a little bit, get some food rolling, watch the game, and then they're going to bounce after the game and um, probably just come down here. Maybe I'll set up the TV and me and uh, my boy can watch the Bears game in the office and do like a live stream kind of thing. That might be kind of fun to do because everybody else is going to be gone for the day, I think. So that'll be the compromise. We're not doing a pregame stream. We'll do a postgame stream. I hope the Packers win so people are in a good mood. But if nothing else, we'll watch the Bears game and hopefully that'll be a good experience. Uh, Three and one Browns against the three and one Chargers. So that should be a pretty good game. This is a, it's, it's, I mean, I think of these two teams as very similar. They, they both make me nervous, but they're both pretty talented. Chargers are at home. Not that home field advantage is that big of a deal, but it's a... Man, I'm having a massive sneezing fit over here. Um, it's not a fun place to travel to. Uh, Chargers, one loss came against Dallas. There was a near win, 20-17. to 17. Uh, They beat Washington, Kansas City, and the Raiders, so some pretty convincing wins, including 30-24 to over the Raiders, although, again, I don't know what the Raiders, the the Chiefs, I mean, I don't know what the Chiefs are. Cleveland beat Minnesota 14-7. to That's not super impressive, other than the the seven, obviously. Um, Chicago Bears 26-6. to Houston Texans 31-21. Their one loss came against the Chiefs 29-31. The most impressive thing here is the the defense the last couple weeks for Cleveland Obviously, we saw what happened to the Bears, but they followed it up doing it again to the Vikings. They're probably going to need that kind of a performance again, especially when you look at the 14 points they scored the week before. Again, the volatility here is is what's... Oh, I mean, I said this last year about the Browns. The Browns have more than enough talent to do whatever they want in the playoffs, in the Super Bowl, whatever. The thing that's going to kill them is the, the inconsistency, the volatility, and that ultimately was. They just didn't put their best foot forward. 
Chargers, I feel, are a little bit more consistent. On offense, 2017, 30, and 28, obviously the first two games are a little bit lower. They've had 30 and 28 the last two weeks. The defense, 16, 20, 24, and 14. That's just kind of hovering right in that area, you know? Solid defense, by the way. So I, I think, you know, you got consistency on one side. You've got home team on that same side. I'll probably take the Chargers for that reason. Again, not not touching it because it's way too close, but uh, I'll take the Chargers in that game. Uh, again, no real implications for us. Cowboys, Giants, Cowboys are minus seven. Yeah, that's fine. I, <laughs> um, Cowboys beat up on the Panthers. They annihilated the Eagles. Uh, they beat the Chargers. Their one loss came against Tampa, and that was barely. And the Giants are one and three and um, are just getting kind of spanked by a lot of people. So um, <laughs> I'm comfortable with the, the Cowboys. Would I take the minus seven? I think so. I just think it's been, I mean, it, it is, they are in the same division. That always makes you a little bit nervous, but it also could be even more beneficial to the Cowboys. But at the same time, the last, let's see, uh, one, two, three, the last three weeks, they've been able to cover that. So I probably would not. I'll take the Cowboys. I, I wouldn't take the points though. 49ers Cardinals. This is just sort of a win-win thing, even though the 49ers are just getting beat up on. So it would be nice if the 49ers win as much as I really hate to root for them. If the 49ers can beat the Cardinals, that would be great. If not, though, it's still great because the uh, supposed powerhouse San Francisco 49ers fall to two and three. By the way, this is Trey Lance's first official start as the quarterback. So we'll see. That's going to be actually a really fun game to watch. I hope I can see this one. You got Trey Lance against... um, what's his name Kyler Murray that's that's a I mean it doesn't have to be a fun game but it it hopefully is going to be a lot of fun I can't think of too many different games where you have you know be like you know Lamar and and uh and Kyler or something be kind of a fun game Cardinals uh minus five and a half points again the only thing that makes me nervous is is the new quarterback and what implications that might have but um, they started the season beating the Lions and the Eagles talking about the 49ers here they lost to the Packers by two points. They lost to Seattle by seven points. That's not that bad. Arizona, obviously off to a hot start, 4-0, um, beating Tennessee 38-13, to just annihilating them. They only beat the Vikings by one, annihilated the Jaguars 31-19, to and then beat the Rams 37-20. to So aside from that Vikings game, they, they're not just winning. They're just annihilating everybody. They're the number one offense in football in terms of points, number one in terms of yards, and then they have a top 10 defense to go with at their ninth um, the only reason they're not higher again is that Minnesota Vikings game giving up 33. Otherwise, 13, 19, and 20 is what they've done. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna kill the 49ers. I'm. I'm nervous about it. I probably shouldn't take the point. Again, it's division. It's uh, 49ers aren't really getting blown out a ton. I don't know. Maybe I won't touch it. I hate to only play one game, but I'll, I'll, maybe I'll just leave it alone. But yeah, I think Arizona is going to win that game, and I think uh, it's going to be bad because Arizona is going to be continuing to roll, but watching San Francisco fall to two and three will make me very, very happy. Good old Kyle Shanahan, greatest head coach ever. Now he's got his team back. Oh man, the only reason they lost is because of all the injuries. <laughs> what are you crying about now? Well, they don't have George Kittle. I don't care. I don't care. We don't have David Bakhtiari. Don't want to hear crying. I'm tired of this guy getting excuses every second of every day. Kyle Shanahan, you're a great head coach, right? You guys drafted a brand new, flashy quarterback. Great. 
beat the beat the car. I want you to. I legitimately want you to. I want the Cardinals to lose more than I want the 49ers to lose. But if you don't, I'm going to laugh in your face, right in your face. Finally, Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, no direct implication, but either way, this is going to be a good one because you've got two teams that are um, considered top AFC teams, and one of them has to lose. And again, that's a good thing because even though one of them has to win, winning is the default for these teams. These teams are the teams that very rarely lose. And you've got the Buffalo Bills. If the Bills lose, they're at three and two, and that's not the greatest start in the world. By the way, number two ranked offense, number one ranked defense. That's pretty wild. They've allowed, they've had two shutouts. This is crazy. 35-0, 43-21, and 40-0 are their last three games. That has got to be one of the most dominant. I got to, I wonder if I can look that up. I think I can figure out how to do that. In a three-game stretch, the biggest point differential. I don't think I can. I can look at those specific weeks. Let me just do that. Let's do weeks two through four. So just for those specific weeks, that's third highest ever. Uh, 97 point differential. Denver in 1976 uh, had a 100-point differential. Chicago in 1941, 122 points uh, in their favor. They scored 150 and allowed 28. But in the modern football era, that is the best in that stretch. Again, I wish I could do just three weeks, but I don't know if there's a way to do that. Anyways, the real exciting part here is I fully expect Buffalo to win. Um, I've been saying Kansas City is... um, well, I've been saying Kansas City's overrated for a while. They've just been finding a way to execute. Um, I've been trashing their defense and also been saying that I think if you can't continue to draft and all you have is a quarterback, a wide receiver, a tight end, and a coach, eventually that's going to come back to bite you. Right now they have the number two ranked offense, the number 31 ranked defense, second worst defense in football. The best game they've had is allowing 29 points against Cleveland, 29 to Cleveland, 36 against the Ravens, 30s to the Chargers, and 30 to the Eagles. This is Maybe the worst defense in football. I know it's ranked 31st, but I mean, they, they, they've allowed less than 30 points once, and it was 29 points. But they've been scoring a lot of points. The, point, the, the problem is here, you've got your offense, who has, you know, against the Chargers, they scored 24, otherwise it's 33, 35, 42. But you're going up against the, what, what did I say? The number, number one defense in football. And you're going up against the number two ranked offense. So it's the number two offense against the number 31 ranked defense. And there's no sign of slowing down. I think the Bills are going to slaughter the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, And it is in Kansas City. Kansas City is favorited. I'm taking Buffalo. I'm taking, but I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm taking Buffalo. I, I don't, I, I just, yeah, let me, let me, let me put, I really hate because I, I've been doing a good job of getting my bankroll back after doing something really stupid in week one. I've slowly been building it back and building it back every single week, getting a little bit back. I don't want to lose a bunch, but I'm, I'm just, <sighs> Sunday night football. I, yeah, I, I got to do this. I'm not going to let it all ride, but I'm, I'm fairly confident. And that's just crazy that the Kansas City Chiefs are favorites. It's not just that either. They lost to the Ravens and the Chargers. Um, and again, against the Eagles. So, so they won week one barely. Then they go 0-2. And I said, Eagles is going to be their big comeback game. And it technically was, but they almost lost to the Eagles. The only reason they won is because the offense just kept scoring. And the offense does obviously a great job. But I mean, I was getting worried. 
because my whole prediction about this being their big comeback game and everything else, um, eventually, though, the defense came up with a couple stops and stopped them at 30 points. But the Eagles just kept coming and kept scoring points. I just, I don't see any way in the world. And granted, they, they haven't really played any bad teams except the Eagles, but still 30 to 42. And they had to score 42 just to keep up with the Eagles. I mean, Buffalo could have a bad day. Anything could happen, but uh, I'm 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 kind of stunned. I I just think that the, the hype on the charge or the the Chiefs is still just it's a little too much. Let me just check injuries real quick. Make sure Josh Allen isn't out or something. I don't see anybody out for the Bills. I don't see anybody out for the Chiefs. There's a couple questionables. Chris Jones, that's massive. Charvarius Ward for the Bills. You got Taiwan Jones, Matt Milano, AJ Epinesa. Let's see what Ian has to say. Uh, Chris Jones has been receiving treatment on his wrist and is considered a true game-time decision, so that's not great for the Chiefs, especially with (laughs) one of the worst defenses in football. I don't see anything else, though. Chiefs' Andy Reid says wide receiver Josh Gordon could play this week, so I, no, I'm, I'm comfortable with my Bills pick. We'll see what happens, but I'm comfortable with it. So that's, that's the two I'm going to actually play. Um, I got Tennessee, um at minus four and a half against Jacksonville, and then Buffalo plus three against Kansas City, which just blows my mind. But again, either way, it's a good thing. It's going to be a great thing. Kansas City lost two games all of last year. They've already lost two this year, and they may fall to three um, just in the first couple weeks. The year before that, they were 12 and four, and they're potentially about to have three losses. Um, Similarly, for the Buffalo Bills, if they fall to two losses this early, they only had three losses all of last year. They may fall to two losses by week five. So either way, this is going to be um, it's going to be a great day. <laughs> and I actually get to watch it because I don't have to go to work tomorrow. Maybe we'll stream. I don't. Maybe we'll just stream all night, man. We'll just keep her keep her burning. Probably not. I should probably stop at some point. But anyways, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Hopefully for Victory Monday. Have a great one. Bye bye. 